The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Kyle Busch won the season opener at Talladega. DeGroot was second. He's the reigning champion. It's the iRacers Download, where reality meets the virtual world of auto racing. Cardwell hoping it stays green. He nearly spins it around. Who's it going to be, Cardwell, Berkeley, or someone else? iRacing's executive director, Dale Earnhardt Jr. I think that NASCAR is starting to see the value and the opportunities that can present themselves working with iRacing. From the Speed Sport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass, here are your hosts, Justin Prince and Taylor Burris. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the iRacers Download from the Speed Sport Studio, powered by My Race Pass. My name's Justin Prince. Joining me later on in the show this evening once more is my co-host, Taylor Burris. We're also joined by our producer, Richard Colbrat. Pretty Plenty to discuss when it comes to today, as it's iRacing Build Week. That means many, many of changes coming across the iRacing service for some of the drivers to choose from, including new content, new tracks, new cars, and some updates to the road cars, and more to talk about. To start things off for today, though, let's turn things back from a few weeks ago. Those who listen in to the previous episode of the iRacers Download, the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series was decided by the Championship 4 heading off to the NASCAR Hall of Fame to compete for the championship. It was Casey Kerwin who picked up his first eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series championship during that championship night. Casey Kerwin from Exit now joins us. Casey, first of all, you've had about a month now to reflect on being a champion, how does it feel now that you've had some time to think about it and well adjust to being well a NASCAR champion? Yeah, I mean it feels good. It's uh yeah, obviously it's been it's kind of funny that the the month from then to now has felt like about a week. It's uh, it's gone by pretty quick, but uh yeah, I mean it's cool, it's fun. We've had uh obviously had the nice the trip to Phoenix about 2 weeks after which was cool and everything and uh yeah, I just came back and uh, settled in with the with the trophy and everything, and uh, been back on the normal streaming schedule and uh, racing a bunch of bunch of road course stuff at the moment. But uh, yeah, it's been fun. Well, let's start things off with the championship night in itself. Of course, it was a very unique situation. The first time the eNASCAR championship had its final four go to a physical location, compete each other against each other at one physical location. To open the curtain up a little bit, what was that experience like knowing you'd be seeing your fellow competitors for the championship and be racing against them in front of a live audience? Yeah, obviously there was a, just some unknowns on how exactly it would feel just because we've obviously never done it. But I kind of was pretty optimistic that it wasn't going to be too crazily different. Obviously, for me, it was helpful that I got to bring my own rig and everything being close. Um and also, when it comes to like who I was competing against, competing against Graham, Bobby, and Steven, where Graham and Bob or Graham and Steven are teammates of mine on Dead Zone, so like I know them really well. And Bobby, we also hang out and do some stuff uh, every now and then. So it's not like it was anyone that I don't really know too well or anything like that. So it was uh, I couldn't really ask for a better group to be racing there with. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was cool. Um, obviously, there's no better backdrop than being right in the middle of all those famous cars and everything. And um, yeah, you never know like how the crowd's going to be uh, and all that. But of course, once you kind of got into the race itself, you kind of got tunnel visioned and you didn't really uh, see much of it. So um, yeah, I mean, it, it felt pretty normal, honestly, to me. 
uh, other than kind of the just the the bit of the noise pre-race and stuff like that. Um, but once we got going, it felt about the same, really. When it comes to the race in itself, how would you describe that race and how it went? Because obviously a lot happened racing against three of your four technical alliance mates. And of course, Bobby, what was that all like knowing it came down to that? How would you describe the race? Uh, Yeah, I was it was I don't know. It's still all weird. Like, I don't know. I, I it felt. Like, at the, as much as it felt like a lot of pressure, it also didn't at the same time. I don't know. It was kind of a weird feeling that I don't really know how to describe. It was just, obviously, it all comes down to one race. I was pretty uh, uh, confident going in that it was Phoenix because we haven't raced at Phoenix in the Coke Series since, I think, 2018, my first year. But Phoenix has always been one of my best tracks in, like, NIS and stuff like that. So um, I knew I was really glad that it was at Phoenix. Um, and, yeah, it just... I don't know. It just it, obviously it was. You knew we were all gonna be uh, all four of us up there at some point. Um, the beginning of the race, obviously, Bobby just checked out and was. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure I said like, uh, I have the vod on on YouTube now that from where I recorded with the stream PC. But I'm pretty sure at one point I said like, yeah, it's a GG. Like, if there's no yellow at lap by the time it was like lap thirty, like we did not have the pace for Bobby. Um, and thankfully, we got a caution, and at that point, everything got extremely intense, as everyone saw on those restarts. But uh, yeah, it was it was a pretty tame race uh, after a while. But obviously, it was intense for being a championship race. Like I said, I don't really know how to describe it. It was all. I think some of it too is just the fact of how crazy the whole night was. I don't like. Uh, I don't think my brain like can process or processed how, like processed it as it processed it like as if it was a normal race. If that makes sense, like I don't think I remember it quite everything uh and all that but it was uh yeah it, it was obviously very intense and um especially the last you know the 50 lap run of the end obviously the first 10 laps of it all of us battling out were very intense but even the last 40 laps were a very intense battle of me and bobby being exactly four tenths apart the entire run basically um which you're just trying to be perfect and everything which again coming up to the thing that made it a very not normal race was the amount of time we put in um obviously we put in you know a good good amount of hours for a normal race but it was like triple that if not quadruple that for the for this race so um yeah you're just uh fully locked in uh more than any other race uh, which is why again i keep saying it just feels weird to even like kind of look back on it it doesn't feel like any other race and uh but yeah it was it was pretty wild course the emotions running high after the checker flag as well as we've seen with not just the Vaughn but also the broadcast views with the cameras provided in throughout the NASCAR Hall of Fame what was the reaction like family-wise knowing how hard you've worked to get to this point and how difficult it was of course to be able to get to the championship for the first place yeah I mean I think it was just a bit of of shock I mean I, I'm especially going into it i I try and stay pretty realistic overall in the series um just to begin with the series itself is just so competitive like uh just running top 10 every week i think is a very good accomplishment and like i'm not i'm not mad at running 10th and being you know 11th or 12th in points at the end of the year like it's still a good year in my opinion um so and, and again like it's it's just so hard to even make the playoffs like even you know last year i was 
uh, I think like fourth in points at the end of the regular season, but I was out of the playoffs because I didn't have a win. Like so much of that comes into it. So I, I, I'm pretty realistic where it was just, um, you never know if you're really going to ever get the chance to make the playoffs. Then you never know if you're going to have the chance to make the final four. And then you never know if you're going to have the chance to win the championship. So um, for all of it to work out was, uh, yeah, pretty crazy. I think it was just a lot of, it actually hit like a lot of shock of like it actually happened. And uh, yeah, it was definitely, uh, definitely a wild moment. Of course, part of the championship celebration is going to Phoenix. What was that like, first of all, to get the chance to go to the championship weekend in person and essentially be rewarded the championship as well on top of things in front of thousands of fans at Phoenix Raceway? Yeah, the whole weekend was uh, super cool. Um, obviously, never been to Phoenix before. Um, yeah, it was just a, a really fun trip. We got to... Um, we were up in the NASCAR suite all three nights uh, for the races, so definitely had the best view in the in the in the whole uh, whole place for for all those races. Um, and yeah, it was really cool. This this facilities there are awesome, which is uh, it was very like I said, very cool to go for the races uh, period. And then also, yeah, it was cool to have the the check presentation and everything on Sunday before the big race, and uh, just you know being in the garage and meeting meeting some people and stuff throughout the weekend was uh, a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, it was definitely a very memorable weekend. How has the reaction been from your team as well? Because, of course, set put in a lot of work and their side, too, with, of course, Anthony Alfredo, part of your respective group on this, in terms of the content side, in terms of the racing side as well. Talk us through the team reaction and that excitement from that side, getting their first championship, driver's championship in the series. Yeah, yeah, they were stoked. It was, um, it was really cool. We, uh, we, we also came up like five points short, I think, of, of, of the team championship as well, uh, mm -hmm. which would have been, which would have been pretty crazy. But, uh, yeah, it was, everyone was stoked. It was, um, yeah, obviously, a big night for for all of us. Uh, you know, I mean, Xset's a pretty new organization as well, so, um, you know, I'm not sure exactly. I don't think it's their first championship of anything. Um. But it's, you know, they're, they're a new org. They don't have, you know, 10 years of, of experience of winning championships, right? So it was cool to share, share that with them. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it, was, it was, like I said, it was, it was just really cool to, to share it with all those people. And, uh, yeah, like I said, just in general, being on an org like that, it's, um, there's just so many like-minded people from different, um, from different backgrounds. Like, there's so many people that, they're at the top of their game in Call of Duty that are on the team, cover their game in Valorant or whatever. Like, there's a bunch of people like that that understand how hard it is to be um, at the top of, of things like this. And, uh, yeah, just it's it's cool to share um, collectively, like, even when all of them are, are doing well. Uh, collectively, as, as an organization as a whole, when everyone's doing well, it's um, it's a lot of fun. You mentioned when it comes to now that things have settled down, going back to streaming and continuing to race on the platform, especially when it comes to the road course side, seeing you've been racing in some LMP2s, for example. Essentially, now that things have calmed down, as the champion, it becomes the question, how do you back it up for next year? What's kind of the thoughts on that in terms of what you can do for next year, knowing now you've got the pressure in? Of course, there's been essentially the championship jinx for a past couple champions, Zach Novak in particular, yeah. 
where there's been the you win the championship and the next year they've fallen out of the top 20 or nearly out of it. Yeah, it's uh, I think everyone besides like Ottinger, I think Ottinger had a good year after his, but I know like even Keegan, Keegan was I think Keegan was technically out of the top 20 going into Phoenix um, until he won. So, um, yeah, hopefully that's not the case for us. Um, but I mean, I, again, when I say I try and be pretty real- realistic about things, I mean, like obviously we're going to put in the same amount of effort as we did this past year. Um, but sometimes like that same amount of effort, you just miss it on sets some years. You're just off. I, I don't know how much is is changing in the next gen. Uh, I don't think anything really changed drastically this build, but maybe by March there'll be a big update. Um, and yeah, it's just, you know, you just try and always stay on top of it. But I mean, it's tough. Like I said, the series is is super competitive. I mean, you look at even someone like Ray right now, you know, who's let alone now in contender and see how competitive contender is as well. It's hard. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to, I just, I just try and do me, you know, I just, I, I try and drive as best I can and put in the, the effort that I put in. And if it's good enough to run top five, top 10, compete for wins like we did this past year, or if it's, you know, maybe we're struggling a bit at, at points, that's just part of it. I think, uh, it's, uh, you know, I just, for me, I, I try and not, uh, overthink things too much. I just try and, uh, stick to having fun and, uh, and just, uh, yeah, just drive, focus on my driving really, which honestly with the streaming and how much racing I do there, uh, really keeps me dialed in. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and hopefully it, uh, keeps working like it did this past year. Two more questions. One ask one of the major things too, of course, for the championship, $100,000 championship prize for the driver's championship in NASCAR. Some people may have the simple question, what do you plan to do with that money if you don't mind me asking? Honestly, I don't have any plans at the moment. It's more of a, yeah, I, I really, I didn't have any plans before really. Besides, I mean, obviously you have your, your thoughts in your head, but uh, nothing really planned besides uh, just getting through, getting through tax season, you know what I mean? Um, mm, but yeah. That's important. Uh, yeah, so. Yeah, nothing, nothing planned. I'm kind of, I don't have any exciting answers. I'm, I'm boring on that one, unfortunately, at the moment. Okay, okay. So, we talked about a lot when it comes to our discussion here, but of course, still the off season to go. Kind of, what's the approach now outside of streaming? What do you plan to do in terms of prep? Are you helping on the contender side, for example? Uh, I'm current. No, I'm not helping on contender right now. Um, I mean, I'm not like a setup guy. I haven't driven the B car in forever. Uh, I, I, uh, ever since the next gen got its aero updates and everything, uh, I'm just waiting for the day that the B car and stuff can get that. And then I'll probably go drive the B car. Cause I feel like you can just race in the next gen so much better with the damage model and the arrow and everything. It's just more fun to me. So I haven't uh, driven the B car in a while. Um, okay. so I don't even think I'd be much help in contender. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, right now I'm just racing road, really just doing whatever I deem as fun. Um, but obviously now with the new season, uh, switching back over, um, I'll still obviously be racing the cup car here and there. Um, and then once, uh, definitely once January hits, I'll be probably racing it more just to make sure I'm still, you know, on on top of my game in it. And then uh, obviously once the season starts. Uh, the big stuff that really helps is like NIS and stuff like that, that I race quite a bit. So, um, yeah, just stay racing. I think the big thing, uh, even for me, I feel like 
um, when it comes to like prep, uh, I don't think I'm like the craziest outright pace driver out there. I think I'm just, uh, I, I thrive off of like actually the competition and like being in a race in and of itself, if that makes any sense. Um, a better racer than I am like a practicer. So I don't do a lot of, I don't do a, a, a ton of like offline testing and stuff like that. I think just staying again in the streaming really goes hand in hand. Like I love streaming and hanging out with everyone, but it also really does help me like across the board. Like even there's definitely the, the mental aspect of racing on the road course side of stuff, racing, you know, oval stuff in the off season, everything keeps you in tune. I feel like for, for the next season. So, um, yeah, like I said, it's nothing really, uh, crazy preparation wise besides just having fun and just stay racing. So I think that's all it, all it really is for me and keeps me, keeps me, uh, somewhat on, on my game at least. Well, again, thank you very much so much for the time, Casey, when it comes to this discussion. Where can fans keep up with you on social media as well as keep an eye on your Twitch streams to see how you're doing in, say, the Kachu car? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, yeah, so uh, my Twitch is just my name, Casey Kerwin. Uh, stream, I stream about four to five days a week, uh, especially during the offseason right now. Um, yeah, we re- literally race everything. There'll be some weeks I'll just be racing road all week. Some weeks it's a combination of road and oval. Um, just kind of depends on what's going on, what we're having fun with. Um, obviously we're also kind of in a bit of a endurance season mode with Daytona coming up and everything. So, um, that'll all be fun. Uh, and then also if you, uh, Twitter is probably my main social media follow. Uh, and that's just Casey Kerwin 23, no spaces or anything. So, um, yeah, that's where, where you can find me if you want to find me and, uh, yeah. Again, thank you very much for the time, Casey. Again, congratulations on being the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series champion, and thank you so much for the time today. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. That's Casey Kerwin from Xset, the 2022 champion for the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series. When we come back, we'll go through the news of the week and, of course, a brand-new build for iRacing. You're listening to the iRacers Download from the Speed Sports Studio, powered by My Race Pass. Welcome back to another episode of the iRacers Download from the Speed Sport Podcast Studio, powered by My Race Pass. Justin Prince and Taylor Burris here, along with our producer Richard Colbreth, as Justin had a very exciting conversation with the 2022 E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series champion Casey Kerwin, and he's got a little bit of a busy plate still leading off into the offseason before he has to try and go on to a title defense for 2023. And it's talked about with him, of course, there's been the layover so to speak in the following year after a championship the past few champions that's something that's going to be intriguing for next year but as he said a lot of what his preparations during the offseason currently is of course the road course racing that he does on his streams he races a ton of that in fact he's taking place in taking part in jimmy broadbent's charity race coming up on the weekend on the saturday so he's keeping himself pretty busy when it comes to racing, just getting himself more seat time, more track time, of course, trying to have fun on the road courses. He certainly is, and that's something he's well known for besides, of course, his eNASCAR endeavors. So a lot to look forward to in his career for the rest of 2022 and kicking off in 2023. And speaking of the year 2023, this week, it is currently the week 13 or the famous build week. And Justin, I have to say, this build week is full of very a mix of surprise goodies and also things that we expected to be seeing coming on to the iRacing service 
at this point in time. So let's go ahead and talk about some of the main highlights. First and foremost, we have to talk about the new toys that we get to kick off 2023. Yes, indeed. Plenty of new toys. In fact, some of them actually free to drivers to be able to race when it comes to the cars themselves. The Toyota GR86 is one of the headlines for this respective build because it's a similar class, of course, to the Mazda MX-5. But of course, when it comes to that, lots of fans across the iRacing platform, across the board, Twitter, forums, a lot of excitement over how the car drives, how it feels, how it races even. So that's already become a very popular car in its first few days. The BMW M Hybrid V8 we talked about a lot, that coming in for the Daytona 24 coming up in January, already a car that many people like as well. Still a bit of tweaks here and there, of course, with the hot fixes. The big surprise, though, I think, is how soon people get the Mercedes-AMG W13E performance. Because, of course, the Formula 1 season ended about a month or so ago. A very quick turnaround for the car to be ready to go as soon as the build came into play. Of course, talked about announced through the scheduling of the respective series of Week 13. And now, drivers have that car to race during Week 13 onward. They certainly do. And let's dig a little bit deeper into some of these three these three amazing cars. First and foremost, that Toyota GR86. This is in partnership with Toyota in a brand new championship that is coming to North America, which is involving that Toyota. And a lot of big names in both the karting world, the grassroots, you know, SCCA ranks who are young drivers trying to get themselves into sports car and endurance racing are all going to be having the chance to drive this spec class series that's in partnership with the SRO, which is great that iRacing is partnering with such an amazing organization, which they have done in the past with the Blancpain GT Endurance Championships that were happening quite a number of years ago. So this car here is a good stepping stone. It's, like you said, similar, but I have to say a whole lot better driving experience than the Mazda MX-5 Cup car that, that we've been having on here for so many years on the iRacing service. It, it's a new freshness. It's a great opportunity for kid, for people to learn how to drive in sports car, touring car, you know, production car racing, which this car will be a part of its own racing class with the Joyota, and then also joining the production challenge, removing the <laughs> famous Pontiac Solstice for their production challenge. And our friend Aaron Lickens actually wrote an article, too, celebrating the Pontiac Solstice after it ran a parade lap after its final official race before the start of week 13. That car, remember, has been on the service since really just about when it started. It That's was. how it was, early, yeah. It was one of the original cars added on the iRacing service when this when iRacing came off in 2008, I believe. So it's yeah. been on here for over a decade. So, of course, for people, it's going to be a bit of a change seeing, well, a change to the production car challenge a bit in seeing the Pontiac Solstice being set towards the sunset, so to speak. But when it comes to the Toyo GR86, people love it. The car feels good, as you mentioned. The car races well. It's going to be fun when the official series come into play for drivers to be able to race the car more frequently once official racing starts next week. It really is. It's going to be exciting to see. Now, we move on from one sports car racer to a full-blown prototype that's about to make its debut in racing in 2023, the BMW Hybrid, which is, of course, a beautiful BMW prototype car. Of course, they rejoining the prototypes since the 1990s and early 2000s. 
And I got to say, this car, I mean, the, both the virtual and the real-life car, absolutely beautiful. And I got to say, it's, from comparison to the prototypes we've had, it is a little bit more higher tech than our current LMP2 car with Delara, but also still has that umph and go and get them with a mix of the hybrid power, of course, like we see with the LMP1 cars, but it's going to be a fun car to drive in any endurance racing as it will join all the IMSA endurance series as well as also the European endurance and sprint challenges as taking over as the new top class. And that's bringing a lot of excitement for drivers because they're, they're now going to have this up-to-date series, so to speak, quickly in with this respective car. Of course, the car... Supposed to make its debut in the real world 24 hours of Daytona, as talked about. It's also, keep in mind, the return to the top flight of this type of class races in the 1990s. So this is a car that, of course, will bring that next level when it comes to prototype racing up with the next class, the more modern class. To be able to keep up with the modern times compared to the turnaround where it took a few years previously for its predecessors. It certainly did, and of course, this is an amazing partnership that iRacing has with BMW. If you think about it, iRacing and BMW, of course, we had the Z4 for multiple years as one of the first GT3-based cars to join the service. Then after a little bit of time, some things change, and then, of course, we are getting into the GT4 ranks. Then we get the brand new M4 GT3 car that was added even before it made its racing debut in the real world. And then the same thing, BMW turns around... And does it again with, of course, their brand new prototype. And it's amazing to see the partnership that iRacing and BMW have. Of course, iRacing and BMW have their BMW Sim Cup Championship, which is an amazing series to go out and watch competitors compete on. But this here just shows an amazing partnership with iRacing, BMW, and even IMSA. I think so, too, especially since it's important to be able to keep things modern. Keep it up with the times of what's on the track in the real world. Of course, we talk about the preservation of history, but fans also want to race what's on the track this year, this month, this day, and say, I just watched my favorite driver win in this car. I'm going to jump on iRacing now and drive it. This it allows them to drive it. It certainly does. And speaking of dry, getting in and driving it, as soon as it finished off, it's a 2022 you know, Drivers World Championship run. You know, this being, of course, this Mercedes AMG W13E performance car is going to be a, another exciting car to watch and drive on the iRacing service. A brand new formula car that is added to the service. So now we can honestly say we have had pretty much a majority of the certain stages in Formula One's career history, historic history. And now we get to experience the future of it with this brand new car with Mercedes and their partnership. Granted, it is a little bit of a finicky car, I'll have to say, compared to its 2021 car with the W12. But this car still is a ton of fun to drive once you get the hang of it. Of course, remember, there was a lot of regulation change. There were a lot of regulation changes for 2022 when it comes to the World Championship or formula one this year so it's it should come to no surprise the car is going to feel a lot more different compared to the 2021 comparison so when it comes to that car 
it's all it's a bit more challenging to drive. We've seen that with some of the drivers and some of the regression, even in the progression of various teams throughout the real world championship battle. The car, of course, came away with a victory at one point in Brazil, as talked about with George Russell. So the car is very competitive. It's going to be intriguing how some of the various drivers handle that, of course, and how many wheels are sent flying. Well, not only that, but it's also a big question now is, could this mean iRacing is going to be bringing back another Grand Prix-style world championship now? We, are, of course, are now having the brand new W13, which is, I have to say, going to be used for quite a, n a couple of years on both the real world and in the virtual world with Formula One-style cars on the iRacing service. So that's going to pop up the question, could we possibly see this be the future of Grand Prix World Championships on the iRacing world? That's going to be up to iRacing and its partners, of course. That's the major thing when it comes to that. But I think it's safe to say we've seen this with the previous open wheel title when it comes to the championship. There is a strong interest and a strong user base when it comes to that. And some of those competitors, I think, if you give them a championship in 2023 or 2024, they'll jump on it and try and win the title. So essentially, again, it's in the court of iRacing and their partners if they go that route. Certainly is. Of course, iRacing has released a couple of brand new tracks as well. One for those who are fans of dirt track racing, Lincoln Speedway, a very historic dirt track from, of course, Abbottstown, Pennsylvania, joins the racing world of iRacing, opened in 1953 and has provided some great racing action where drivers from, of course, the 1950s and 60s, such as Junior Johnson, Buck Baker, David Pearson, Lee and Richard Petty have taken the checkered flag here at this historic racetrack. It was a bit of a surprise, actually, with this track. It, I think, caught some people off the radar. Of course, it's a part of the World of Outlaws scheduling, so it's another track to add to that rotation of competitor tracks on the dirt side. But again, when you think about it, when it comes to dirt oval racing, there is a need for a lot of tracks, and this, again, adds to that list. And it's already been discussed by some of the iRacer staffers more coming, Lincoln, adds to that need for the more and more content and different types of tracks and different locations you can race at on the dirt. Well, if you think about it, there is pretty much a dirt track in every state here in the United States, if you think about it. It's just a matter of trying to find that niche group who will allow iRacing to come out there and scan those tracks, as well as also the short track community. Of course, Dale Earnhardt Jr. is a big priority where it comes to getting those tracks scanned and released on the iRacing service within reasonable time. But I have to say, this could be a new age coming in 2023 where we will see pretty much the short track and dirt track community get what they deserve as far as adding more of those tracks onto the iRacing service. And then, of course, also, speaking of that, halfway on the other side of the pond, making sure that our European, Asian, and Australian drivers who are on the service get their respective tracks as well. And, of course, for the French, it gives them a chance to have their track once again represented on iRacing with the Circuit de Neveros Magnicors joining the iRacing circuit. Of course, home to the form former French Grand Prix. And this track here is a very fun and interesting circuit. Yeah, this respective racetrack, I think, is pretty fun. In fact, a lot of people I've heard so far discussing it say they're having a blast with it. And I've even seen some of fellow 
iRacing teammates who are primary oval and short track drivers, mind you, saying, you know what? I feel like racing at this new road course track and saying now they want to try more road course races because of this racetrack. That's how much fun they're having when it comes to the flow this track provides, when it comes to the respective battles it can provide, when it comes to the mix of high-speed sections, mid-speed chicanes, and of course, Adelaide, when it comes to the big sends to start off sector two. So it brings that balance of easy, medium, and high-skill sections and high-speed sections and various different challenge points. It certainly is. Of course, this track was built in the 1960s. It's 2.7 miles long, or 4.4 kilometers, 17 turns, and it's definitely going to give you a run for your money of how to handle when you're racing on here, whether it be with, of course, the brand-new W13 Mercedes-AMG Formula 1 car or any one of our many GT3s or... Even the Toyota GR86 taking out for a spin is a fun track to drive, and it's going to be probably a fan favorite for many seasons to come. I think so, too. But it's, of course, important to note, while they're not necessarily new tracks, it's new artwork. That's a talking point when it comes to Seabury International Raceway and Virginia International Raceway. A complete track artwork overhaul when it comes to Sebring. VIR, interestingly enough, Moving to a free version with a new updated version coming soon to the iRacing user base, which means no more tree. Well, we don't know yet. We could see them still keep the tree on the track one way or another. I'm pretty sure iRacing can figure something out, but we'll still have to wait and see on that. Of course, the famous words of iRacing, hashtag soon. A couple of other things also that was added to the free content was several new dirt road track configurations, such as the Daytona Rally Course, along with Phoenix, as well added to being part of the free contents for drivers to go out and experience, whether or not they have the VW Light Car or the Pro 2 trucks. Yeah, interesting to see some of the changes on that remark, especially the Pro 2 to move towards the free side, but it starts to show a little bit of a adjustment maybe to the ladders terms of trying to freshen up what the newcomers come into play because it happens every few years right where you have that shuffling of what the free content is eventually eventually some of the tracks move to legacy some of the tracks still in the rotation in for example the over oval side one of the more frequent tracks back in the day of a rookie class was you have to get self boston that was one of the first tracks you raced out you raced at linear you raced at concord and you run that as the gauntlet. That, of course, has changed over the years. Irwindale, of course, on that rotation, too. And over the years, as time progresses, the content progresses, some of the driving, some of the drivers end up in turn seeing that shift for their respective groupings when they're coming up to the ranks, to so the rookie and the D-class levels potentially on the free side. It certainly is, and this opens up a chance for more new added tracks, of course, new content, which we'll see for the rest of 2023. And, of course, a lot of things still coming with, of course, updates to some tracks. Of course, we're now starting to see that happening here for the past couple of years. Tracks such as Daytona getting a much-needed update compared to its 2008 version. Phoenix, you also now have Atlanta doing the same thing. Watkins Glen, Indianapolis, now Sebring and VIR getting complete overhauls with their updates. Such a great thing to see here for the iRacing service to make sure we get what we see in the real world, which is so important to bring the more realism into the racing world on iRacing. Realism is a key thing, especially when it comes to if you are a simulator 
for one, you want to have it as real as possible. Two, as drivers, if you want to be able to race well, in a lot of cases, they want to be close to the real thing. So it's, of course, important to have that realism, absolutely. But want to touch on one more announcement that came in as part of this. The transition to the new UI is coming, Taylor, for the next build. It certainly is. So what that means for those of you who are wondering what that is, is from now on, if you want to go and enter into a race, so that means any racing, whether it be hosted, testing, official races, leagues, all of that, will no longer be able to do so on the iRacing Classic website. You have to do all of it now through the UI, which is it just shows iRacing trying to advance and move forward into the future. It's something, of course, they've worked on for the past couple of years with the beta UI, and now, so to speak, the UI. Of course, some adjustments when it comes to being able to see the same type of data from the Classic site. Now for the beta, they actually inserted series stats and standings, adjusted that perspective side when this build. Uh, but the transition you can see coming. The tough sure. thing's going to be the learning curve for some because, to be honest, I still use the classic. I, I use the classic for when I'm having to go watch him for broadcasting a session. I haven't. I usually have been using the UI for logging in races or testing. So it's just now going to make sure how to properly go in through the UI and spotting or watching the race for broadcast use. So that's going to be the fun yep. part for us. But a couple other key highlights to touch on before we go and talk about some of the other news of the week. Of course, the Ford Mustang FR500S got a brand new artwork update similar to what the Lotus 79 and the Arkham Menard Chevrolet Impala did last season in season four of 2022. New damage models for all GT3 classes, including also the Dallara P217. AI racing added nine new cars, including such as the BMW, the Ford Mustang, the Legends cars, the Lotus 79, and all three 1987 classic cars, and the Toyota GR86, including 23 track configurations as well, from pretty much a majority of the NASCAR ovals all the way to tracks such as Snedderton, and Autodromo Jose Carlos Pache and Barber Motorsports Park. For more information regarding this amazing opportunity, you can go to iRacing's forums to look at the full rundown of the 2023 Season 1 build. With that, we have to touch on other amazing opportunities here, and we are going to have to touch on the news of the week, starting off with the World of Outlaws Championship over at Eldora. Justin, that was one exciting race. Another exciting one, and it's Hayden Cardwell who came away with the victory this time, leading 22 of the 35 laps, getting it done by about a second and a half over Alex Bergeron. Of course, when it comes to last season, drama, drama, drama when it comes to Hayden Cardwell and his luck in some of the races. This time around, Cardwell, of course, getting the spot around from Bergeron and around to the corners by lap 14, building up the advantage and then coming away with the victory. So now uh, a big difference for Cardwell this time around after the previous issues he had, of course. Keep in mind, the victory comes with Cardwell despite the win, still early on outside of the top 10 of the points. Yeah, this is going to be a very big thing for him here during this stage of the race, what he can accomplish, and if he's able to try to find his way up towards the top of the championship before it's all said and done, because he did miss out on making it to the finals 
over at Volusia last time out. So it's going to be a tall, long climb for him as he is quite a ways back. But he does have a chance to see what he can do as they head off to Williams Grove next Monday night here. And, of course, we're seeing if Eiler can take his second career win like he did last season. Or will, once again, we see Alex Bergeron or Hayden Cardwell return to their running forms. You can catch the action live at 9 p.m. on iRacing social media channels or on Dirt Vision for more great action. Meanwhile, in the eNASCAR Contender Series, this one was a little bit of a interesting race as Colin Keister took home the checkered flag at Do or at over at Dover International Speedway, and this one was a little bit of a hectic one, I have to say. Colin Keister pretty much just showed the way, leading 97 laps in that event. His first 97 laps of the season, mind you. Essentially, it was simple. Set the pole, have a good start of the race, lead the, per lead the bottom of the track, yeah, and never look back. Colin Keister just absolutely dominated that race, took advantage of the track position. Very difficult to find even a way around him, well, I won't pass him. And in turn... Just smooth sailing. What else can he say when it comes to Keister's win? And with that, of course, that guarantees him to be locked in to the 2023 eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series. There was a lot of drivers who were looking over the points and realized that they're locked in. Drivers such as, of course, Joey Brown, Alan Bowes, Wyatt Tinsley, Jordy Lopez Jr. All of those drivers are locked in for 2023. And then the question is going to be, who is going to make it in? Because right now, it's Malik Ray, Kevin King, Ryan Doucette, Daniel Falkingham, Michael Cozy Jr., Casey Tucker, and Septa Merchant. Those drivers right there separated by about 18 points between those ones. And of course, for Doucette and Falkingham, it's three-point separation between those two for that final transfer spot. It's very razor-thin, let's put it that way. Falkingham had one of his best runs of the season to be able to close things up towards Doucette. Michael Cozy Jr. didn't get the greatest of runs, 18th. That lost him ground two, and there are three points back of Falkingham. The big story out of this, too, is Demerchant, remember, was around that cut line or just above it for much of this run. Last time out, 45 laps down, dead last. He's dropped to 25th. He is plummeting and quick, momentum lies. You could say the same thing for Andrew Navarro, who also had issues in the race, second to last in the race. He was amongst the drivers early on this season in the points. He was a top 15 driver. He certainly was, so this changes the entire format. And, of course, the big talking point going into this is four-time champion Real Fala looking to not be able to make it back into the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series for the first time pretty much since he's entered into the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series, which was all the way back in 2010. So for, for over a decade... We will not see Ray Alfala competing for the 2023 eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series Championship. It's crazy how big the champion, the changes of the flows can come in over the years. It's been a bit of a fallback, obviously, when it comes to Alfala. He started towards the back for much of the season, 34th in the qualifying, for example. He's finished towards the back. Most of these races has been involved in trouble in a couple of them. It's just not been a good contender series run at all when it comes to Alfala. So at this point, how do I put this politely? He's already said the same thing on Twitter for the most part. It's time to get the truck nice and shiny and ready for RTP. 
it certainly seems to be the way for him and unfortunate for the four-time champion, but who knows? Maybe we could see him make a resurgence possibly in the near future, and we'll see what he can do in 2023 for the Road to Pro Qualifying Series. It's going to be a hard climb hill for him, but the question also I have to ask, Justin, is we're seeing a lot of eNASCAR drivers retiring this year. Could he consider, even though he's saying he's going to dust get the truck all shiny, will he even consider possibly retiring after this year? That's a good question, and I know there was the thought with that that some of his fellow respective drivers he's raced with over the years or worked with have had retirements. Retirements have been huge this year. So in regards to that, that's more of a Ray question than something I can answer on his behalf, obviously. That's up to him if he wants to go through the gauntlet of RTP, try and make it through to the top 20 there, go back through contender, and qualify his way in and keep things going when it comes to NASCAR Coco I Racing Series competition. It's up to him. Certainly is, of course, the next round of the eNASCAR Road to Pro Contender iRacing Series heads to the Lady in Black at Darlington Raceway, catching the action on iRacing streaming platforms on Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, and you'll see who'll be able to finally clinch their way in with two races left in Darlington and at Texas the following week. Well, Justin, it's hard to believe here, but we are all ready to be done for the 2022 year. We're getting ready to kick off 2023 Season 1 with a bang next week, and we'll have a lot more to discuss here on the iRacers Download. I can't wait for the brand new season. Going to be chasing after a Wintertime Sea Open Championship. Very likely not going to fail on that goal, but we'll try at the very least to win a few races. Hey, I'll be joining you on that as well. It's going to be an exciting year for both of us as both of us see what we can try and do. Who knows, you may see both of us trying to compete in the eNASCAR Road to Pro qualifying series in the near future in 2023. So stay tuned for more information on that. But for Casey Kerwin, our special guest, our producer, Richard Colbreth, my partner here in the booth, Justin Prince, I'm Taylor Burris. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the iRacers Download from the SpeedSport Podcast Studio, powered by MyRacePass.